You are listening to 30 on Broadway, Talking Blue Shirts, on the Face-Off Hockey Network. Everybody, 30 on Broadway here with a brand new episode talking uh, blue shirts and uh, a little bit of a debate between Senor Nick and myself going into this. I don't, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. Why did Hall & Oates come up? Why did that pop in our head? Oh, well. We, we were debating. Well, basically, he's, he's going, it's a bitch, girl. And I'm like, no. It's you're a rich girl. And you kept saying, oh, you're a bitch girl. And I'm like, wait. wait. Well, I was thinking of my ex-girlfriend, so. And I'm like, no, that's ain't right. Well, we were talking about something about money, and it just came up like, this is weird. But it's, you're a rich girl, and you've gone too far. But you know it don't matter anyway. It's because you know it don't matter anyway. Uh, whatever. You can rely on the old man's money. That's right. You can rely on the old man's money. And then where you're right is it's a bitch girl, but yeah, it's gone so. too far. Because yeah. you I know mean, it, it don't matter. If, there, if there's one thing we've learned about the Rangers hiring Jordan it's that I'm right a lot of the time, even though people don't see it. 60% of the time, you're right every time. That's right. That's right. Great percentage from the movie, but hey, whatever. We'll go with it. L- l- listen, listen. The numbers don't lie. To, to quote Scott Steiner, <laughs> Oh, no, please don't I, do that. I always have a 66 and two-thirds chance please don't. Of, being, of being right. Please don't and do that. And you, then you take your 25% chance plus my 66 and, two, 66 and two-thirds chance, and I got – I don't – you know, well, hold on. I can't please, do that. No, please stop. I can't, I can't do that quick math. We're done. Yeah, quick. That ain't even math. <laughs> It's just it don't even make sense. But I don't know if we have any wrestling fans that listen to the podcast, but if we do, you know the Scott Steiner promo for when he was in TNA, and it's one of the greatest things ever. Either great or terrifying. No, it's great. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's it's it is. Just just Google what Steiner. We love we we love Scott Steiner. Google Scott Steiner math. That's the first thing. Scott Steiner math. Yeah, that's Scott right. Scott Steiner yeah. math. Ridiculous. You want to be with hey. a freak. Listen, I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning. And Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me, so he won't even try. So you take his 66 and two-thirds no, chance stop. of winning. All right. Anyways, hey, on Broadway, brand new episode. <laughs> we are back. Gerard Gallant is a ranger. Uh, the official presser was uh, this, this uh, morning for the uh, privileged few and proud that we're able to actually get the audio of it and there are some highlights that came out of the the presser that we wanted to talk to and also on the show later in the show we have a special special guest a little bit of a of a collab that uh nick was working on um so if nick you want to you want to you want to spill the beans on that one oh yeah we 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 were, we were very thankful that uh the broadway hat podcast will be joining us for a couple minutes just to uh give their their thoughts on the Gerard Gallant hire. Yeah, and, so uh, they have a very good podcast. They have some amazing guests. Um, we talked about interviews before, especially that they like the Ryan yep. Spooner interview. The, the Ryan Spooner one um, was really good. I mean, I you know, 
for myself for personal validation to hear Spooner say things that I had thought and I had said, and then to have a player who actually played for Queen confirm some of the things that I thought just from the outside, I was very happy, you know, listening to that one. So, all right. So that's coming up in, in just a little bit. Before that, we're going to give kind of our thoughts on this whole thing. And, and you know where we stand on Gerard Gallant. Um, we, we've spent a couple episodes here talking about it, but we're just going to give you kind of our thoughts on the press conference. There were a couple of things that came out from it. And then there's also some other news that's going on that, that um, kind of goes into a little bit of some other things that we've talked about with the construction and makeup of the roster. So, Anyways, the Rangers hire Gallant. They make it officially official, according to Rangers World, um, with his presser today. And there was a few things that stood out to me, and, and, and thankfully for the New York Rangers, they were kind enough to, to, throw, these up on, uh, to throw these up on their Twitter page um, because you, you can't see it. So probably by, by the time most people are listening to this podcast, they will have watched the press conference because they are playing it. I believe eight o'clock tonight and 10 PM replay 10 PM on MSG networks um, for, for you, for you to, which by the way, makes me laugh that they can do it then, but they can't broadcast it live. Amen. I I never like the one, that is one thing I will criticize MSG about um, because like with, you know, and I know you hate them, but whenever something happens with the New York jets, SNY always, will break into the live press conference. Oh, yeah. They, like, they, yeah they, you know, if there's a firing, a hiring, whatever, SNY always has that immediate live coverage. The knock. But that's just a jet thing. Well, that you know what? We got our coach now for the next 10 years. So hey, I'm you got your happy. coach. We got our coach. So, hey, there you go. That's like a hockey thing, though, because even this weekend. All right. In case but it just – it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, though, because – the MSG network owns the New York Rangers. Like, you know, how. No, I, so I, I, I get it. it. It just, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's so stupid. It's not me. the Knicks. Well, at the end of the day, MSG is Knicks, baby. Doesn't matter. I mean, look, New York no matter which way been, slice it. No, New York has always been a basketball town. It doesn't matter how bad the Knicks town. are. No matter how great. No matter how great the Yankees are, or the Mets are, or the Jets, or the Giants, if the Knicks team. if the Knicks are winning, that's it. Yeah, that is it, and that is that. Yeah. It is and a Knicks town. That's fair, and that's fair. Uh, but it's always been like that. Yeah, I and mean, even, always even the local it's radio, the local radio. When do they ever talk about the Rangers? They really don't. Unless Why do you think there are play? so many Ranger podcasts and so much alternative Rangers media? Really, in hockey in general, if you really think about it, in hockey in general, there are tons and tons. But, it, but it, it speaks. It speaks to the larger podcast and ultimate media. It, it speaks to the larger problem with the NHL that. Yeah, and I was going to say, a case in point was this past Sunday. It's just, it's just one of those things where a lot of people don't know the game, and they're also not exposed. It, it, it's yeah, they're not exposed. It costs far it's, too much to play. Of the of the four major sports in America, it's number four. It's even though it should have lapped more expensive than all of them combined. It, it should have lapped baseball by now in terms I of mean, popularity. And maybe football is the only other sport that upwards with equipment, but even still. I mean, yeah. look, basketball and baseball are easier to play. Football's easier; they're all easier to play. 
Because I mean, especially basketball, you use a ball and go find a public soccer. Sport. I mean, soccer. Soccer, yeah, you know. That's why soccer is the most popular sport in the world. I'm not gonna. Right. Tra- I don't trash soccer. I do. I enjoy soccer. I don't. I don't enjoy the 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 Sidney Crosby school of diving that is the extreme of soccer. I I just I don't like soccer. But but that's neither here nor there. I'm not but, a fan of like MLS soccer. MLS soccer versus European soccer is night and day. But that's but that's, like, that's not like that's not saying, what we're here for. But, I, I think the reason why though you see so many podcasts and alternative coverage is just because mainstream sports media is just not going to cover the NHL because it's not a ratings right. brand. And you do so, hope that with the new TV deal and the new stuff with ESPN and TNT that that kind of changes. And I think that's a reasonable expectation is to see that change to to some oh, yeah. level. Um, but I mean, perfect example is. You know, and, and of course, we're talking about the Gerard Glant press conference, and we don't mean to get into this long tirade about marketing and whatnot, but perfect example of what you're saying. Sunday, Father's Day, Vegas, Montreal is on NBC Sports Network. It's not even on USA, which would have been better, cable television, but the, golf took precedent over the Stanley Cup playoffs in NBC Sports Network's eyes. And do you wonder why NBC Sports Network has lost the NHL TV package? Yeah, Because no, it has nothing – it's not just the, oh, this is a today issue. Oh, it's because they're leaving, so they don't really care. Now, this has been going on for years. Well, that's neither here nor there. But anyways, so the Rangers put out some, some content. They put up a couple of videos uh, on their Twitter account. Um, but there were, there were a couple of takeaways, and, and ironically, they quoted him some, and then even Larry Brooks wrote two articles. One was kind of funny. The other one kind of got into a little bit of a more of a deep dive. But the big one to me that stood out a lot was there was a few. And the, the coaching young players. And this was something that we talked about earlier in the season with the Rangers that was, was kind of mind-boggling, where the kids didn't get the opportunity until, honestly – it seemed like it was too late, but you give, he, he's quoting what you give them the opportunity and hope that they take advantage of the opportunity they get. We know we've got some very young, talented hockey players on our team. They're going to get every opportunity. That is, that is huge. Well, but it's all, it is also coach me. It is going back to, you're going to earn your ice. And if I give you an opportunity and you don't produce you're, you know, we're going to reevaluate things and we're going to reshuffle the deck. Right. So and, it, you it, could it, argue you know, that that really didn't happen in the no, beginning part of last season or the season prior. Especially it would with be, with David Quinn, with it Kyle. would be, it would be, I'm going to give you one or two shifts with a certain line. And if I don't see something with one or two shifts, we're, we're throwing the lines in the blunder. And, and the one and thing that Yarmir Yager said, pod, from you saw from the uh, again perfect example from the Broadway the Broadway Hat interview with Ryan Spooner. Yep. Like, that. I mean, slam dunk confirms it. And then you were yeah. saying that Yager. And then Yager had said in Florida, if he doesn't think you have it that night or you're not playing well enough, you're gonna sit. He's not gonna he's not gonna drop you in a line. But that line, if he feels the line isn't working. They're gonna sit, and he's gonna go with the hotter hand. Which that's coaching one on one. Just by the way, I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not throwing lines in a blender, and you know we're kind of, you know I'm gonna throw this guy up here and this guy here, here, here. You know, part of the problem with Quinn that I always had, it felt like when he was doing lines, he was just throwing things at the Yeah, it was just a blender yeah. mess, and people hated when Tortorella did it. And yeah. I mean, he he took it to the extreme. But hey, that 
the the David Quinn era is firmly out the window. So that's neither here nor there anymore. The new new regime. Regime. I was going to say reign of Turk, but it didn't come out. Reign of the Turk. But stuttering all over the place. Another thing that he came out and said um, that I did that I did really like was the quote about the garden. And he talks about how being a player, um, he loved coming in there as a player. It's a great place to be. It's a great atmosphere in there. And if you can't get up to play games in that building, there's something wrong with you. True. The atmosphere will be unbelievable. True. Especially now coming off COVID. Oh, yeah. Next season. I mean, the building should be electric right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. You saw how electric it was just with the small amount of fans that were allowed to be in the building. I mean, just, just well, not only just coming off COVID, but the, the buzz around the team. Right. The, like, fans, they're, they're, you got to be. I mean, it's not like you're going to watch the Devils or the Sabres. You can't, like, you can't go into next season sitting there going, oh, well. There is legitimate. What happens. There needs to be legitimate juice around this team because this team has a hell of a future. Yeah. They have a hell of a bright future. Like we've said, so, the, the window, the, the so-called it, window it, that it, people were saying, oh, the window to strike is, is, is right now. No, the window's just starting to open. This season, the puck drops, the window opens. That's the way I look at it. Yep. David Quinn got us through the period of the rebuild phase and obviously couldn't get us further. Gerard Gallant is the coach that can get us to the cup. I mean, you, you know, it's, you've seen him do it. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to get us to the cup final, but I know we're going to be a playoff team. I'm not saying it for this year. No, I mean, not that's crazy year. to say just, this year, but there's no know. reason to go into next season not thinking that this team, with some tweaks, which we'll talk about, I mean, they have to make some tweaks still to the roster. They do. I think even without the tweaks, you look at this roster just with the coach behind the bench, this is now a playoff team. It should be. With the I, of the divisions, it should be. I would, I would, I would be hard-pressed and, you know, I don't know if I wrote this or if I was just thinking and I never put it down, but the, the hiring of Gallant says, okay, we're no longer hoping for the playoffs. We believe now we're a playoff team, and we're taking that next step. And I know Drury had a little bit other to say today, you know, opposite of that. but Which is, which is double, which is, which is almost like GM speak. Yeah. Because he's not going to come out and say there's a mandate. Because if there, if there was a – if there was a mandate and the Rangers don't make the playoffs for whatever reason, then heads would roll. This is not – heads aren't rolling at the end of this season for any, for any reason, unless there is like a colossal failure of a Buffalo Sabres, New Jersey Devils level. I mean, Artemi Panera would have to be demanding that he wants to trade. Yeah, I mean, it I would have to be, the roof for... would have to cave in on the garden for, for anything like that to ever even come close to happen. So I understand what he's saying, like it's not a mandate, but there is the expectation as you make the playoffs. And if you don't, you better have a damn good reason for why you've missed. And it's not going to be, well, the coach lost us some games, or, well, we didn't give opportunities where we should have. Or we didn't really get the right the right mixture, the right lineup. That's not going to be be a reason. So that's kind of where there there's a the expectation is that this team makes the playoffs. 
because if there if it wasn't, J- John Davidson and, and Jeff Gordon would be sitting here still. Well, not even just that. I don't think you hired Gerard Gowan if the expectation is different. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, he also mentioned about being hard to play. One of the hardest which, working teams in the league, emulating the Vegas Golden Knights. Which fam- famously, David Quinn had also said in his introduction that he wanted to be, the, you know, that when you played the New York Rangers, you came out of that game knowing that you played a game. And the problem is with Quinn, he didn't have a body of work to build off of. I enjoyed the sentiment of what he was talking about. But it didn't hold water. But the problem is he doesn't have that track record. And he showed that in the NHL, in his first NHL coaching job, he was a little bit of a fish out of water. So, you know, no disrespect to Quinn. But when Gallant says he wants him to be one of the hardest working teams in the league, I believe it. And, and what you've I've seen. seen. I've seen him do it in Florida, and I've seen him do it in, in Vegas. Vegas. So there's a track record there to know that him saying it, it's not going to fall on deaf ears and it's not something that's hollow. And when when he says the game starts at seven o'clock, you start at seven o'clock, you start at the puck drop. That means you're going to be ready to play the game. Which you're going to do your good. role, play your role, and win hockey games. Which that that makes me feel really good because one of the biggest knocks I had on Quinn was how many times the Rangers looked flat and uninspired and not ready to play. And, and he talked about, in the Larry Brooks article, he talks, he quote is saying he hates talking about the past, but when he was in Vegas, they went to training camp with a plan, put systems in place, and we expected everybody to play a 200-foot game with everybody good defensively and everybody good offensively. Everybody has to have a role on your hockey team. I'm telling you right now, this is, I, I am really curious to see what we get out of Chris Kreider next season. And but, I don't need to single it out, but when you say you show up to play, you're you're playing you you are playing a two hundred foot game every game, the expectations, we've seen it time and time and time and time again that not happen. And we've seen the other side, like when Panarin was down and we saw how good Kreider was for that period. That's going to be the expectation going into next season. You know that's going to be a conversation. I, I can just I, – I don't think Kreider and Gallant are going to get along because Gallant is going to – I mean, well, I think – here's the thing. I do I, – I said that wrong. I do think they'll get along because Gallant seems well-liked by all his players right. wherever he's been. It's Does he push the right buttons to get everything out of Kreider that – I think it's the on-ice. I think Gallant will be frustrated by the on-ice Chris Kreider. I'm curious to see if he pushes the buttons and somehow we we unlock Uh, the the Kreider that we all see. I don't think so. What we see we can have. If not – He's been in the league for 10 years. No, I I understand where you're coming from. But what I was going to say is if not – I, 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 outside of because he has the no move clause, I find it very hard to believe that Kreider will be a Ranger long term through his deal. I understand he holds the cards because he's got that no move trade, that no move. 
but if if it's not going to fit into the system and it's not going to be what Gerard Gallant wants and it's not going to be this filling a role and being ready to play night in and night out, I think this goes for any player on the roster. I don't think any player will last because the expectation is this is how you're going to win a cup and this window is opening and this window is open now. This will be the second window for a guy like Kreider, point blank. After now that, it's it's yep. it's it's suit up or shut up time. Yep. I'm not saying that like I'm not trying to point it out and say, hey, Kreider's gonna be traded. But what I'm saying is you're taking this is up a either, spot that this is, is very depth heavy on this roster right now. And there's the potential. This is either gonna be Chris Kreider is going to take the step that we all expected to him becoming a consistent player. Or he's gonna, or he'll he'll get exposed under Gallant, and he won't. And and the thing is, a lot of people who have defended him will not be able to defend him anymore because it'll become flat. If you have other players who are working harder than him consistently, night in and night out, who are ready, who are noticeable, even if they're not scoring, they're making plays. He will then he will get exposed under Gallant. And look, we're not saying that Kreider has to score every game. We're not saying that he no, has to be on the stat sheet because we pointed out last season there were moments where he didn't register on the stat sheet, but you saw the effect and the impact that he had on the game. The, the problem is, is that these long stretches, I mean, long stretches where it goes dark, and then you have these bursts where he's arguably one of the best power two-way forwards in the game. I mean, during that run when Panarin was out, he was one of the best power forwards and really two-way kind of hybrid forward in the game. He carried the team. He hands down carried him. But then Panarin comes back, and it was like, okay, I can go back to riding shotgun. And then it was like hit or miss and hit or miss. And that's what you – you're not going to be successful with one of your top six guys – being more consistent on the wrong side than on the good side for short bursts of five to 10 games, but then 20 to 30 of non-existent. That's just not I, going to happen. I think two guys that are going to take a step. I, I, I can't wait for um, the Broadway hat to join us. I, I am. There are two guys who I think are going to take a big leap when they're going One of them I think has to, and the other one is, is, you know, is still young, and I think he's getting to that point, and he's showed a lot of it last year that he's itching to break out. I think Filipino and Kapokako are going to be two of the biggest gainers from the Gallant hiring. I would, ar- I would argue, I would throw Lafreniere in there. Well, I, I, I think, think Gallant, La- I, La- think, I think Lafreniere fits into Gallant's mold perfectly. I think I think Lafreniere showed that. You know he is going to be really, really good. No matter what, I think what. this is where he'll but get I that think, chance to really, really shine under Gallant's system. I think Heedle has a chance to become a Vinny Trocek 2.0 type of player. Maybe not with the edge, but he has more, I think, offensive upside than Trocek. And I think you could see with him begin to take those steps to 
showing why the Rangers had so much hope and promise for Filipino when they drafted him. Because you got to remember, Trocek took a big step under Galan. He did in Florida, and then and then I could see, I could see Capo Caco taking that huge step. Not Sasha Barkov totally, but Caco showed he can handle himself defensively, and he knows what he he wants to do offensively. It's just being given that freedom to play his game in the offensive zone which I think he'll get under Gallant. So I think you can see that, you know, Jonathan so type breakout. I'm not saying necessarily 30 goals. I'm just saying you, you'll see Kako's confidence grow. And with that, you'll see the puck go into the back of the net. Yeah, I'm curious to see it. I mean, for Phil, for, for Heedle, it's it's a question of, is he on the roster next season? Because we've talked about this. If there's moves that happen – is he the likely one that would be moved? And that's kind of the general consensus would be any kind of package. You're not going to move Kako or Lafreniere unless, you're, unless the deal is just too good to be true, and that's not Eichel. You're not moving either one of those guys for Eichel at this point. And I'm getting Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, I'm, I'm and, and you're not doing Kako. that. Yeah, and, and you're not doing that. Um, you're not moving any of them for a Sam Reinhart to try to get him out of Buffalo there's really there's really no move that you're making that you're going to include those guys. So the guy that you look at as possibly the odd man out would probably be Filipino because one of the things for the Rangers, if they don't go and get Jack Eichel, and we've talked about this and we talk about this and we continue to talk about this, the, 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 the mindset that I have is that they don't do it, that they don't necessarily need to do it, that it's more important to bolster the bottom six. And that really starts at the center position because after the one and two, you know, it really drops off. Filipino had his best year as a face-off in the face-off winning percentage of his career. So you have that as a, as a, um, well, he had actually his best year overall outside of goals, but he had his best points. He had, he, so he topped his previous season. So he's consistently increased in the point production. Um, his shooting percentage dipped a bit. He had less shots on goal as well. I mean, you can kind of count, you know, put that into perspective with the season being the season that it was. Um, but his face-off percentages continued to go up. Um, so you could sit there and say, okay, you know what? That's a that's a big um, a big benefit. Um, is it enough? You know, forty three percent in the face-off dot isn't isn't anything to necessarily write home about. No, You're but not, if he gets it up about four or five points, that's, you know. But if he can get, get it up to 50% or, or, or better, I mean, that's really where you want it to be. Um, he's not much shorter than, than your number one in Mika Zibanejad. Mika Zibanejad has been, you know, ever since he's come to the Rangers, after his first two seasons, he's been a sub-50% in, in the dot. Um, Ryan Strom, I want to say, I don't think Ryan Strom is a north of 50% either, so. Um, Ryan Strom dipped off considerably last season in, in the face-off dot. And look, these are key things. You know, we've, we had this ridiculous argument a few seasons ago where people were saying, oh, face-offs don't matter. Bullshit. Face-offs matter. You cannot you, – face-offs matter in the essence of you control the puck. You control the high danger at that point. You control the pressure. You control the momentum. You, can, you control everything when you and win the face-off. 
in the neutral zone, they may not matter as much, but when you're in the offensive and defensive zone, look, the Rangers don't beat the cap. You know, well, maybe they still do beat the Capitals, but they don't win off if they if they they don't score right off the draw. If they don't win that draw against Washington on the on the step on game winner. So you can't tell me faceoffs don't right. matter. And yet, because, and that happened around the time that there was this whole stupid argument about yeah about well, you know, faceoffs don't really matter. It's like really, like how, like where can you possibly come up with that as a as I mean, for a center, that's the second most important. That's 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 up there with leading the rushes. I mean, you're as when, a center, when, your expectation is to lead the rushes well, on both ways, my whole, my offensively whole and defensively. When you're talking about you know the game is about puck possession, you know all that. What's the quickest way to get puck possession? Winning a faceoff. So it all starts in the dot. Gee, I never knew that before. I'm stunned. I, I can tell. Stunned by the like, learning. They're stunned like by the air. But you look well, at. Yeah. We're, we're, we're an honest podcast. So. Listen, you look at. You, you look at. I understand offensively did not have a good season. But I talk about fixing the depth center position. And there's a person that stands out because you know he's probably not re-signing in Montreal. Philip Deneau is north of – he's 56% in the face-off dot. Philip Deneau is, is honestly one of the better checking centers in the entire – he's he is your classic – you know, this, back to what we were growing up, he is your classic third-line shutdown checking center. And That's it fits what it is. more of the idea of the design of what this team will be. Now, I always thought Filipino was a better winger. I thought he's better on the boards because I thought he's got good board play. He can control the puck. He can hold the puck. But I feel like sometimes in the center spot, he does too much or tries to carry it too much himself and not relying on his wingers. Um now, the thought is, does Philip Heedle take the next step under Gerard Gallant? Does he jump to the next level and become a little bit more physical, a little bit more of a checking forward, better in the, better in the face-off dot, and still producing on the points that you're expecting of him? Those are big questions. I don't think he'll take the physical step. Like, and, and, that could be, and that's part of where there's a, there's a problem. Um. So that's kind of where the, the mindset is. Is that a potential where they say, you know what, we've we've, because I said this last year, going into last season, one of the guys that needed to make the biggest step on the ice was Philip Heedle, and did he take that big step? And he the took a step. He took a, was he took, he took a step, but he took it wasn't another big. step. But again, I look at it that he was held back due to coaching, and that's where I say, okay, do they look at it and say, all right, you know what? we're not making a change there because we, we know what we have right now. We know what we think we're going to be at, but what is that window? Is that next season? And if you get a little step here or it doesn't open I, up, I, I then think you say, okay, he, enough's I think enough. He, I think he will get a year with go on because I, I, you know, I do think he took enough of a step to say, look, I could still be part of this, this team solution. Unless forward. there's unless there's a big a big deal that's sitting out there that's too good to be true. Unless you're telling me there's a better there, there's a huge upgrade 
that because what what you're telling me is you're going to get an upgrade over Ryan Strawman to see. Right, that's why you would, you would bump, move Heedle. Yeah, because then you would bump you would bump you would bump Strom down to the third line. So you're you're telling me you're getting a better second or line. Or you look center. at it and you say, do we bring Philip Denault in as the fourth line center? Now is he a fourth line center? I don't think Philip Denault would sign to be a fourth line center. I and, think and are you he wanted pay him. I mean, he wants a little bit more money than what a fourth line center would be pulling, even what a third line center would be pulling. But yeah, I'm not. We know he's not going to get that based off of the production wise. It kind of backfired on him not signing the extension in Montreal. But I think his abilities in the faceoff dot carry some pretty good weight behind his, him. his ability in the faceoff dot and his ability again as a shutdown defensive center that should. I, I, I think I mean, it's, it's given Vegas fits. Him. It's given Vegas fits. He he's been he's been spectacular yeah. defensively. I mean, I I I've I've liked Philip Deneau for a couple of years. Now the Just, other uh, the other thing talking about the addition of toughness because this gets so many people triggered. But you know, because as soon as you say toughness, people go into this. Oh, we're gonna get goons. No, that's that's not the i the the total the totality of the idea. You want, you want players in your lineup that if they get punched in the mouth, not literally, but maybe even sometimes literally, they don't fall down. They don't check the air. Or they don't check themselves into the boards, which is two things that I will never forget about last season. Um, what, that Brad Houghton decided I'm going to check the air? Check the air, and then Libor Hayek checked himself into the boards. This was amazing. Um, it talks about being tough to play against from your top line to your bottom line to where your team is not going to have liberties taken against it because anytime you put the other team puts themselves at a potential disadvantage for whatever reason, they know that there is a point where they could be, they could be hurt on the scoreboard, not necessarily on the ice, but on the scoreboard. And you are going to be, hard to play against night in and night out. That's the idea behind it. It's not this, oh, I'm going to send out my goon to be, you know, thug, thug life all over the ice and knocking people out and, you know, doing, doing crap. That's not, the, that's not the idea behind it. The idea is, is that you're not going to get punched in the mouth. Or if you do, you come back swinging. All right? And we don't really have that. We had it somewhat for the first time in the post-Washington Tom Wilson game. We had that. But that was more about making a statement to, I think, the league, to Peter Laviolette, to Tom Wilson, and to the Washington Capitals. That, yeah, you're better than us this season. You, you, you took advantage of us. You took advantage of our top guys. We're not going to back down from you. And we're gonna, that's just our statement. That's not what you're looking at for night in and night out. That idea is stupid. And if you think that that's where they're going with this, that's ridiculous. But the idea is that you want a fourth line, notably, that makes it difficult and makes the other team's top lines' lives a living hell. Much like what, you're, what you see typically from Vegas and the fourth line that Gerard Gallant developed. When it was Belmar, Carrier, Reeves. Now, Carrier, Reeves, Colasar. 
I mean, Carrier, Wah, Breeze, whatever. I mean, whatever combo that they put into that fourth line, that fourth line is a bear to go up against. And a lot of the really good teams, Tampa Bay as well has it. Tampa Bay, they, they retooled their lineup. They, they added the, the toughness. They added the physicality of Pat Maroon, Blake Coleman, bottom six guys that, yeah, okay, you might try to take some liberties or run around on the ice, but guess what? You're always going to have your head on a swivel because they're going to make your life difficult. That's what the expectation is for next season. For this team, I'm, sh- I'm shocked you said something nice about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, but how many times have I said that? That I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's true though. It's not about it's not about just face punchers. It's it is about getting guys who can play with an edge but still play hockey and contribute. So it, it, it's about developing the attitude of when we get hit. You know, it's like. You know, everybody, Mike Tyson said it best, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And, it, you know, it's the truth. I, I think the Colorado Avalanche, you saw it with how Vegas smacked them in the mouth after going down 0-2, and Colorado didn't know how to respond. Right. So I, I it, it's developing that mindset and that mentality, you know. Like, and I, I don't want to come back to it because – it's annoying, but when John Tortorella was Rangers head coach, you were not pushing the Rangers around. They were literally the black and blue shirts. They were, you yeah, know, you, never, you hit yeah. you hit us, we're going to hit you ten times harder, and you're going to know that you were in a game against us. They may you not know? have had the offensive talent. They never had the offensive talents that they have now, but you at least knew that it was going to be a tough night every night. And it was great that David Quinn tried getting us back there, talked about getting us back to that. But the problem is he never followed through. It was very, it was always hollow. Oh, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. You know, we want to be tough to play against and hard to play against. Blah 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 blah. Well, the problem is, David, you never got us there. And the one thing about Gallant, Gallant will get the Rangers to that point. They will become one of the hardest working teams, if not the hardest working team in the league on a night-in, night-out basis. I, I don't know if you saw this update that just came through, but uh, not Ranger-related, but it was Buffalo Sabres. Rene Robert of the famed French Connection line passed away. Is that – oh. Damn. Yeah. I know there was news about, like – I don't remember exactly what it was, but um, I think it was over the weekend. I thought you were going to say Rene Robert was the new head coach. No. No, they just announced. They just tweeted it out that he had, that he uh, passed away. That's sad. Seventy-two years old. Two uh, two big hockey names this past weekend that have that have yeah, passed. It was Tom Kerbers and yeah. Robert. And that was tough. I don't know. I know this isn't Ranger related, but Eddie O. I don't know if you caught his. Uh, yeah, Eddie, Eddie. That was, was tough. Uh, yeah. That was tough, man. And you really feel for him because of all his, you know, what he battled with with his cancer and. I mean, yeah. we know that doesn't go away. So, you know, you, you, you have to deal with that. That's not a, Hey, I, you know, that's, that's a tough, that's, that's with you for the rest of your life. So when you're affected by it and then you know, someone close to you that you've had, that's that, you know, that's, that's a rough one, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so Rene, Rob, Rene Robert, who had, he has suffered a heart attack uh, over the weekend and uh, passed away today. So uh, condolences to, 
the Buffalo Sabres organization and the family because that's a that's a tough one. That's yeah, a it's a legendary loss for for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so yeah, that's that's what we got for. Uh, oh, the last thing I wanted to touch on um, before we get the before we get the guys from the Broadway hat on here uh, to wrap up uh, the reports out of Calgary. Now we're talking about toughness. We're talking about this physicality. Apparently Matthew Kachuk wants out. Is, and we don't know if that's, that's, you know, and, I, and it hasn't been like a hundred percent confirmed and no one's said anything and it's probably not going to be, be confirmed, but Matthew Kachuk would be a great, I, I hate Matthew Kachuk. In, I, I, Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk. He is a is habitual line is, stepper. Matthew Kachuk is everything that Ranger fans try to convince themselves that Chris Kreider is. Besides the line stepping. But the could you imagine how awesome it would be to have Matthew Kachuk lining up against Tom Wilson all year next year? Well, he would turtle every time Wilson. I mean, Tom Wilson would run so. to the bench. He would have an upper body injury undisclosed and be out of no. the game. Kachuk, Kachuk wouldn't challenge him. You don't Kachuk think so? Would, no. No. I mean, that's it what, might be enough to keep both of them in check that, because they're both, they both go they both kind of go chicken shit when it's against the, that's why, the tough, that's tough why guys. A lot of pe- that's why a lot of people don't like Matthew Kachuk because he'll do stuff and then he won't always answer the bell for it. I mean, the belief is that Kachuk wants to go to St. Louis, and uh, he wants to go home. There is a belief that Tarasenko may be on the way out the door in. St. Oh Louis. yeah, that that would work. Tarasenko to Daryl Sutter. Oh yeah, okay. that, I can't imagine. Can't imagine that. <laughs> they're, tra- they're, tra- they're trading. They're trading Johnny. They're, they're going to look to move Johnny Gaudreau to bring in Vladdy. That that makes sense. Who will get hurt? In the preseason, don't say that. I just, love Vladdy. just not. I really to play do. For I, I love. I love. I love. Vladdy. Oh, he's a terrific hockey player, but he's he's. I mean, come on, he's brittle. It sucks. He's, it yeah, really sucks. I mean, but he got a cup. He got a cup. So, um, but yeah, man, final year of his. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's the Ryan final O'Reilly. season of his three-year deal that he signed with the Flames for Matthew Kachuk. Ryan O'Reilly and Matthew Kachuk that'll on the line. Be, that's uh, be right back to the cup team where they were. I mean, you talk about playing on the edge. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be. And, and then God, could you imagine if they somehow got Brady out of Ottawa? I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that <laughs> blue line. Their blue much, line is but, a problem, but. And their goalie. Does not do good. Their goalie has shown right now that he looks like a one-hit wonder. But this, this is too nice terrific, to Tom. Like Matthew on nice. the Rangers lineup. Oh yeah, for sure. I would love I outside would love of the that. nonsense, outside of the Tom Wilson-ish crap. He fits the bill on most boxes for for what the Rangers would like to have. Problem is, is that there's such an influx on the wings that the likelihood of it is. Slim to none, but um, would you take Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau? Uh, I don't imagine? want another winger. I would do if we could. Sean Monahan and Sean Monahan. Yeah, what about Sean Monahan? Be like, we'll give you Filipino and Vitali Kratzoff for Monahan and Kachuk. 
This is EA Sports. Game on. Or what, what was that garbage that they used to say before? Back before. It's in the game. It's in the game. Back when, like, the NHL games were actually good. Because I don't think they do that anymore. No, they do. Now they just, we suck. Here's the new NHL 22. We suck. I mean, that's what it should be. All right. Um, the the song we were think I was thinking of, that is Ranger, that is built on Ranger. And that should, actually just ties in with the Buffalo Sabres as well. Um, Double Vision from Foreigner. The song Double Vision um, is inspired through the announcers repeatedly using the phrase Double Vision in a Rangers and Buffalo Sabres game in April of 1978, which inspired Foreigner to use the song as its title. Interesting. So, yeah. Either way, Hall of Notes is a fantastic band. Yeah. You make my dreams come true. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> oh, damn it. All right. Up next, the Broadway Hat Podcast is stepping into the FHN studio Ooh. Ooh. for a little bit of cross-collabing. Oh, yeah. We like it. Hope you like it. All right, so here we are with Broadway Hat. Kyle from Broadway Hat joining us. Thank you so much for, for taking some time. And uh, you have to come on and say first time, long time. It's yeah, the only way to first start. time, long time. Big fan. Great. Big so, fan. Here we go. Broadway Hat was, was kind enough to join us. Uh, obviously, a lot of stuff going on with the Rangers. The Gerard Gallat hiring his presser today. Um, we talked a little bit. Nick and I talked a little bit on the, on the episode prior to, to this uh, about our thoughts on it. And we're just kind of curious on, on your thoughts with the Rangers finally making it official that Gerard Gallant is the new head coach of the New York Rangers. Yeah, I think it's something that probably most Ranger fans saw coming, obviously, after um, Quinn got, uh, got fired. And Gallant's a guy that I was uh, immediately drawn to as soon as – and I wasn't a guy who was like, get rid of Quinn. Like, I wasn't on – like, yeah, I think they needed a change, but I wasn't like one of these – you know, fans that are like all over Quinn and saying he needed to leave. Like I always thought Quinn should have been on paper, the right guy for this team based off of his college success, success with young players. You would think he was going to be the guy who would kind of uh, take these young guys under his wing and, and grow them. Didn't really happen. Some guys had success. Some guys didn't. And so Galan is definitely a guy that I always liked. And I thought, yeah, he has experience. He has a winning pedigree. Um, and the one big thing I think that stuck out for a lot of Ranger fans before he was hired was why was he let go from Florida and Vegas after only a couple years? And that kind of stuck in my head. And I got a great answer actually this week on my podcast from Daniel Negreanu, the famous poker player. Uh, who is a huge Vegas uh, fan. And in, I call him my Vegas insider um, because he literally just hangs out with the team all day long. But nice. he basically told me. Not a bad thing. No, no. He basically told me, yeah, it wasn't anything to do with losing the locker room or um, yeah, basically job performance. Basically, he was up for an extension. And Vegas and him were going back and forth. They just came off of the disappointing playoff loss. I think it was the first round loss to San Jose. Yep. Um, and so Foley did the owner Foley there. He had, you know, 
his whole thing was grow for six and then contend. Well, they contended right away. So I think he kind of got a taste of the winning life. And he's like, oh, I want to get back there as soon as possible. So when they went through, I think it was a four-game losing streak on the East Coast, he was kind of pushed. Galan was pushing for a, play, a uh, contract extension. And I guess they were upset because in the offseason, they brought in a couple of guys. Uh, they added to the roster. And he wasn't playing some of the guys that they brought in. And he was sticking with the original guys. And that's what pissed off the Vegas front office that he wasn't playing. Was it Shipney off, wherever his name is, some Russian guy that was there. He didn't last too long. Yeah, it was and that. And then Cody Glass. The, Cody Glass. The like Tom, Tatar kid. was another guy they brought in that yeah. he wasn't really giving. I guess they didn't feel he was giving him a lot of minutes. So he was, according to Daniel, like he was very, he was too loyal. That was his problem, apparently. Which for a coach, if that's the problem, if that's really the reason why he was let go, then that, I'm all on board because that was the one red flag I saw with him. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but I mean, everything you hear from former players is he's a great coach, great guy. You know, I reached out to guys who have had on my show about him. Um, you know, Dan Fritschke was just on my show. He had him in Columbus and he was like, he was my favorite coach because I didn't have to look on my shoulder every two seconds. If I made a bad play, I'm not in the doghouse. Like if you play for torts, you make one bad play. You're on the bench the rest of the game. Whereas he kind of let his players play. And that, that's why he said to me, like, these stars and young guys, they're going to get two to three chances a game, which is so important to that. You know, they don't have to look over their shoulder every time they misplay a puck. Right, for sure. And, that, and, and that's huge. Like, I mean, you saw it with – I mean, we always saw it with Tortorello. But, like, you saw it with Quinn. Even A.V. A.V. had a very short leash for younger guys. You know, I remember when Heedle first came up. Hedl made it made a bad defensive read. It ended up in a goal, and that was it. He was done. So it's like, and and then David Quinn was very similar, like Capocaco uh, in Calgary a couple of years ago, um, in his rookie season. He was buzzing. He had a goal. He was creating offensively. He had one bad read that led to a goal, and Quinn didn't play him, and that was it. Like, and it's one thing. In some cases, I get it. In some cases, it's understandable that, you know, if, if you're not getting what you need from a guy and you've gone over it, gone over it, gone over it, okay, yeah, sit him on the bench. It makes sense. Because, you know, I, I could say, like, being a teacher, like, I have coming from that background, like, I'll tell these kids over and over and over before you finally, like, all right, that's it, now we're done. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're not going to give them one shot and then, boom, you know, you're done for the rest because you don't develop that way. That's why I love Gallant's quote about, you know, young guys on the fourth line, I don't see the value in it. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing Ranger fans – I mean, I, everything Ranger fans are posting today, obviously, it is a lot of excitement. But I think I saw that retweet like a thousand times today. Like, oh, yeah, finally, <laughs> you know, we're going to have – you know, Kratzoff's going to play more than seven minutes on the fourth line, which I'm all for. That's great. I think that's – and that's the biggest stigma, I think, with a lot of young players – and I have a, you know, again, I do a lot of interviews with players on my show. And I ask a lot of these guys, like, when you came up, like, what was the toughest part of breaking in? And the toughest part a lot of people say is that they were scoring forwards in the minor leagues and in college and junior. And you come into the NHL and you're not going to break into that top six right away unless you're a superstar. You know, unless you are a first-round pedigree player. Most of these guys are breaking in, playing on the fourth and third line. And a guy like, um, who do I just have on? Uh, uh Oh my God! What's his name? I thought your spooner. I thought your spooner interview was great. I thought yeah. it perfectly illustrated that exact kind of like 
uh, mentality because Ryan Spooner is a guy, not a superstar, but a good offensive hockey player who can get points. Like when he first came over to the Rangers, he put up points. It was great. 16 points in 20 games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I think some players, you just have to give them that freedom and know that, hey, you make a mistake, you know, you're not getting the hook. And I think part of the problem is, and Chris and I talked about this when Knobloch was behind the bench when Wayne had COVID, was that the young players looked like they were playing with more freedom. Mm-hmm. That they weren't afraid to make a mistake that, okay, we're going to carry the puck and do what comes naturally because this is how we we got to the NHL. This is what got us here. And now, you know, I always said about Quinn, I thought he was taking player, you know, skill players, and, okay, you got to play like a grinder. That's like, guys can't do it. Like, that, yeah. to was, that to me was the biggest thing with Tortorella with Chris Kreider. I was going to say, Kreider and JT Miller, when they first came up, they were putting the fourth line as grinders. And it just wasn't a fit. And that's why they bounced up and down between Hartford and New York for so long. Yep. But I, the guy I was thinking was Chad Kalark, who had a quick career with the Rangers. Oh, I forgot about Chad And Kalark. he was a okay. monster goal scorer in the AHL, monster goal scorer in, in college, huge player overseas, played in the U.S. Olympic team. He just he would get called up, and he's 5'9", you know, not a big physical guy, but he'd get called up, and the, where he would get called up from was on the fourth line. And he's like, I just couldn't hack it on the fourth line. I, just, I wasn't that kind of a player. I wasn't a player to go into the, you know, into the corners, into the dirty work. And he's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a shooter. I'm a score. I'm a skater. But, you know, he's not going to get a second-line shot on the ring. You know, I mean, they're not going to call him up to be on the second line. You get called up, you, you go right to the bottom of the rotation. So yeah. when he was saying that, he's like, you know, that's a big thing for players. Like, when guys come up, you have to kind of – change that game like change your game like I, I saw Colin Blackwell talked about it on Spit and Chicklets this week he's like you know when I when he realized that the possibility of coming up to the NHL he had to start killing penalties start playing fourth line minutes so uh you know he played third line in the AHL so he got that taste of like the scrappiness of a bottom six role where I think that's what the, the worst thing for these kids is they come up and they just put out a position right away yeah, and you mentioned, you know, like Chad Kalerik, he had a blip of a career in the NHL, but AHL-wise, he was almost a point-per-game player. Yeah, he was an all-star in the AHL. Like, he was unbelievable. You know, he's he's a top, you know, again, he plays top-line minutes in the AHL. You come to, you know, come to the NHL and you're playing fourth line. Yeah. So, and but I actually, think that's before... why you see – yeah, and that's why you guys see, like, a guy like Carl Haglund when he came to the NHL. He played that same team as Clark, but he played third and fourth line in the AHL. He had penalty killing experience. He had that kind of experience. They came to the NHL. It was a quick transition for him to a bottom six role, and that's why I think he stuck over a Kalar kind of player. Yeah, he had a he had a good he had a good year that that one year he was with the Wolfpack. Kalar thirty one points mm-hmm. in thirty six games. Clearly, yeah. he was pretty good in the playoffs. I mean, they had a short playoff run that year, but that was the that was one of the infamous Wolfpack whale years when they did that little transition to the. I asked about that. He said it was the craziest thing. They walked in the locker room one day, they were the Wolfpack. <laughs> Next day, they're the whale. I just. The best I'm originally is like we, from, and, and that was just that made no sense. It's yeah, just, the best is he's telling me is like we sold out the next five games through Christmas when we we're the whale, and he's like it made no sense. We were the same team. He's like, yeah. Yeah. he's like the same team that had ten th- had uh, ten fans the night before is sold out the next night. He's like, we're still gonna lose six to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of those errors. Just to, to jump into that a little bit. So I'm originally from from New York, and then lived in Connecticut uh, up until about 
six years ago, six or seven years ago. I forget. I'm losing track of time. No, but, seven. Um, 2014. You left. Yeah, 2014. 2014. Yeah. Um, and we used to when we first moved to Connecticut was I think the the Whalers had two years left. I think it was like their second to last season. Then the Wolfpack came into town, and we were like, fantastic. We're ra- we're really Ranger fans at heart. I mean, your father grew up with the with the Rangers, and you know, like myself. And we would we got season tickets for the Wolfpack right out the gate, and we're going against it. It was like they never got supported. But then the playoff run where they won the Calder Cup, mm-hmm. it was I mean the the Civic Center was unbelievable, and then it was just like after that, no one supported the team, yeah, and it was, was like t- they they t- hated t- that it was it's a New York team. In Typical essence. of New England fans well, to be front runners <laughs> and not support a go. loser. And only come around when they win. Well, no, because Connecticut is – it's the Huskies. It's basketball. It's a basketball state, and you're either a Boston fan or a New York fan. There's no in-between. So it's like – but it was well, just kind of funny. It, it was it, a gimmick. It was a gimmick, much like the Hurricanes, even though that retro oh, jersey is gorgeous. Oh, it, it, was a, <laughs> it was a money grab by, by the Wolfpack and by MSG to change to the Connecticut Whale to try to identify with that Hartford fan base. And it really – it worked for like a short little blip, and then – it flopped back, and they're like, "Well, we're going back to the Wolfpack." It was a really st- odd time period. It's just I really stand stupid. by what I say. Typical New England. Well, whatever. Fans. Nobody cares. Um, but before we go on, you, you mentioned your show. Plug your show because we didn't really give you a chance to do that right out the gate. So, yeah, no problem. Love doing the plugs. Uh, so yeah, so the Broadway Hat Podcast. We are on pretty much everything. We're part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Um, maybe we started the show back in December. And uh, our gimmick, I guess you can say, our niche is we, we bring in a different player or a personality every week that has some kind of tie to the Rangers of some sort um, to do an interview. Uh, kind of like, uh, you know, I guess spit and chicklets kind of style, except I don't ask how, you know, they get anyone's wrenches on the show. Uh, you know, kind of like they do. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, we got some great stories. It's really cool. Uh, we built up a cool little network of uh, Ranger alumni and stuff, so it's been great. And uh, I'm wearing – my sponsors hat, Magic Hockey. Go check them out, magichockey.com. Um, very cool new um, hockey company out of California. So um, I have to give them a plug. If I'm giving the show a plug, they there pay me. Yeah, go for it. But, uh, but, yeah, they're awesome. So go check them out. They actually had Sean Avery. Find out, so Sean Avery does their ad for them. That guy. Oh, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Go listen to the show and just literally listen to the Avery ad. And, like – I doubt these guys gave him even a script to go off of. They probably told him, like, you know, this is, like, some stuff you got to talk about. It's, like, a two-minute long ad. Like, they had – and Eddie Olchek does the other ad for them. And Eddie's is very professional, like, a 30-second little thing. Avery's is, like, two minutes. And I put it right before my interviews. And it's, like, an interview in itself. There's the Avery ad beforehand. But, I mean, he kills it, crushes it. It's yeah, so he's, funny. He's unreal. I, I'm he's, not the biggest great. Avery guy. I thought he had he had a great role with the Rangers if he would have just kept straight on it. Um, but I, if I want great comedy, especially like his Instagram or even the cameo stuff that he does now, yeah, just just I watching mean, those clips he's, that he's got up there is is insanity. It's he's calmed down on the on the Instagram now that he's had the baby because he was fighting with people in the street with the oh, bikes yeah, and everything nuts with the bike videos. And, and now stuff. he's like, him what? and Matt Barnaby, him and Matthew Barnaby want to fight each other now for yeah. some reason. We, I don't even know how that, that started. You know something. I used to love when Barnaby was on uh, Sirius XM when he used to do the power play with Steve Coolius. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fantastic. He was. I thought he was one of they the They were good best. together. 
he, well, he was good on ESPN work. before he yeah. got he got arrested for something. Then he got in trouble to, with something, and then he got fired from ESPN. He's always he got himself into trouble. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, on he XM was good with him and Melrose were together for a no, while on there. Barnaby on XM. Barnaby left. It was a DUI. He, had, he got no, in trouble for no, no, DUI, wasn't he it? He went to. I think he went to coaching. He became. No, he a, got. He got no, in trouble. No, no, no. Yeah. Look it up. Look it up. He was coaching in juniors. I'm telling you. I'm a. I'm a bet you a Jersey Mike sandwich on that. I I think he left ESPN because of a, a legal issue. Yeah, I think ESPN was the legal thing. When he was at Sirius XM, it was uh, he left to go. He was working with the junior hockey team. I think it was the Kitchener Rangers. I might be wrong. There was but, something that happened, I remember, because it was. Yeah, he got terminated from ESPN after a D-Wee. See? I'm telling you. I told you, I, Christopher. No, go ahead. Look it up. Look it up. He was arrested in March of last year. Yeah, but he had already. Oh uh, yeah, no, he was arrested was again. Else. He was arrested in. Yeah, Nashville, he was. Tennessee. He was arrested for public intoxication. Yeah. He was choked and then, out by a bouncer. And then he was. Imagine being that bouncer, <laughs> how to bounce him. I mean, man, a drunk I mean, Barnaby—that's got to be dangerous. He's choking him out. He's just laughing at him while he's doing it. I was going to yeah. say somebody, somebody's got to show him the, the bouncer picture of Barnaby in the fight and just laughing as he's ragdolling Jason. Imagine it, if he had that. Remember, he used to have that gold tooth with the uh, Buffalo Sabres logo in it when he was in Buffalo. Imagine if he smiles at him. He's got the gold tooth hanging out with the Buffalo Saber on it. You know, I would, I would pay to see Barnaby and Avery in a fight it, it, though. If there was a, a, a celebrity boxing match or something that I was going to see, I would want to see that. Let, that let me tell you, nuts? I don't pay for the, I don't watch the rough and rowdies, but if Barstool for a rough and rowdy got Avery and Barnaby in the ring together, I'd be tempted I, yeah. to tune in. Yeah, I, I would, I would put down some money on that. That would be, you know, it's funny. Uh, one of my best friends, Jay, he, growing up, he goes, you know, it was bad for me growing up as a Ranger fan. I'm like, oh yeah. And he goes, yeah, because, you know, my favorite player was Matthew Barnaby. I said, yep, yep, that sounds about right. Because if, if Matt Barnaby was your favorite Ranger growing up, God, we were terrible. You, you grew up during the wrong. Oh. Yeah, there was some oh. bad That's the teams. dark, dark that, ages. Oh. Uh, that was like when we were buying free agents left and right. It was either oh. him or Bobby Holik and, or my boy, Theo Fleury. They got him at the wrong time. I love Theo. Oh, I love Theo. I, I had Theo on the Theo. show. Theo came on the show. He was awesome interview. Really like great country singer too. Yeah, no, surprisingly, <laughs> like not like talented. And he's crazy. You so great Theo Fleury story. At like 40 years old, he decided that he was gonna play minor league baseball and he played like one game of KD in minor league baseball and went like three for three in the game and then retired. See, that doesn't shock me. Like, That's just like the athlete he is. Like it's just I just feel bad for all the stuff that he, like, in his personal life, all the stuff that he had to deal with. Because when you think about it, all that stuff impacted his professional life with all the issues off the ice. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, God, man. But then not only that, but like, then you, you think what about his how good he was. Even more. Yeah. And the, the Ranger years were his worst years, too. His worst using years, too, which was yeah. a shame. And it's just like, and I, when I remember being a kid. I remember my dad telling me, he's like, hey, we got Theo Flurry. I was so amped. I was like, yes, let's go. Like, growing up, I wanted to be Theo Fleury because I was always smaller, so I idolized Theo Fleury growing up. And it was just like, well, when he became a I got so amped. And it was just, man, it was such a letdown. It was like <laughs> – but it's like, I still, I still love – I still love the guy. He had one good year. His second year was a good year. He said his first year, he didn't have the right equipment. 
This is what he was telling me that he signed with Nike, big deal with Nike before he came to the Rangers and he never got comfortable that season in Nike equipment. And then he dropped them for the second year. And I think he went back to Sherwood or something like that. Interesting. And he had 30 goals the next year. And I think he was an all-star the second year. I remember he used to, he had the, uh, the Nike Bauer helmet. Yep. The white. Yeah. 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 I so, think he had white Nike skates too that first year too. He, but I think he, he was like also off it. He was also one that he used to rock the tin advisor. One of the first guys I remember with the tin advisor. Yep. And like such a cool look, unbelievable look. And like I don't care if it's for function or if it's just like, dude, I just want to look cool. Like the tin the, the advisor is just the way to go, hundred percent. So the the one other thing that came up in the presser to jump back onto the gallant the Gallant Presser with Drury was they talked about the captain and mm-hmm. we didn't talk about this yet on the show. So it's actually good to get a kind of a round table thought. Um, you had a, a tweet that you put out earlier that caught some, caught some fire, but I thought it actually spoke more to what a team really in general should look to as a captain. And what are your thoughts on the Rangers captaincy? Where, where do you see it? Do you see it in the group now? Do you see someone down well, the road that's what I found so confusing about the statement today. And I, I hope – I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but the way that Drury made it sound, he said that, you know, somewhere along the lines, like the, the guy hasn't appeared yet. We're still looking for him. So if that, to me, when it's like, oh, we're still looking for the guy, you know, we're, we're taking our time. If the guy's not in the locker, like where – like how much longer do we need to see – Chris Kreider and, and Mika Zibanejad on this team. You know what I mean? Like those right. are the two guys that forever have been who's going to get the C out of those two. The way that it sounded today, it's like, hey, we're still examining this. You know, it, the right guy will come, you know, will show himself. So that's why I was confused with that statement. Like, is the guy not here yet? Are they going to bring someone in with leadership qualities? Or, I, again, I've seen so many people today be like, oh, they're talking about Truba. Yeah, that was the one name that kept coming up was Jake. Yeah, Truba's the one name. And now I put a tweet out because I, I, so many Ranger fans like, oh, Fox is the best player on the team. He needs to be captain. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I must have saw it a thousand times today. I'm sure. I've always hated that theory. I've hated that theory. And so I put out a tweet. I didn't think much of it. It was kind of a, more of just like a – and not an angry tweet, but like kind of like a let me get this off my chest tweet. And it's like, you know, what I say? I'm like, you know – the statement about it doesn't have to be a star. And I brought up the fact that on my show, Zach Jones made reference to the locker room leader and the vocal leader of this team this year was Brendan Smith. Yep. So I'm like, you don't need to be a star to be a leader on a team. And I think when Ranger fans are like, oh, you know, Fox has to be there. Fox might not be ready to take a leadership role like that. You know, he's on the second, you know, just finished the second in the NHL maybe it's not the time for him. Maybe down the road is the time for him to be captain. Maybe, you know, give him an assistant, you know, give him an assistant captain, let him get his feet in a leadership role. But then again, I go back to the statement and think the two guys on the team that I would think would take this would be Kreider and Mika, but why weren't they named captain this year? It was it a, you know, Quinn had three years of those guys. He named a captain for three years of, you know, in his tenure. So yeah, it was, it was a weird statement. Because it was, yeah, it, it was sounded weird, like we have to make a very cap- weird thing. Yeah, we have to do it now, but yeah. then it's like we're looking for that piece, and it was kind of like, wait a minute. So the yeah. so either you have it or you don't. And if I'm a guy in that locker room and I'm hearing that, 
obviously I, I don't know anything else about this. I have no other inside information about this of, you know, what they're thinking of or any, literally the only thing I, I know about this is that Brendan Smith was the clear leader in the locker room this year. That's the only thing I've gotten from anyone on the team. And the other thing I got from uh, Zach Jones was that the other than Brendan Smith, who said, you know, he had a huge impact. He said the second biggest guy for an impact in his game which, again, I think could tie into the statement, is Ryan Lindgren. I could see that. He said Ryan Lindgren was a huge factor and huge force in the back end this year, coaching guys up. And he said to the point where he wasn't over the top coaching them up, but every shift he was telling people what's going on. He took a leadership role as a young guy on that team. See, so is he, is he a guy that Drury is referencing as – you know, we have him three years now. We just locked him up for three years. Is he a guy that maybe he wants Gallant to take a look at during uh, the preseason and training camp period to see what kind of leadership qualities he does have? I, I, he's the guy that I, have, for whatever reason, have in my head as the dark horse uh, based off that statement. That's a good one, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say it for this reason. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but watching after Lindgren got hurt and was out for the rest of the season, and Trouble was out for the rest of the season. It seemed like the team just didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Whatever they had the whole year, that mojo that they had all year, I noticed it first when Trouble went down. And then when Linger was out, it was like, okay, now it's really gone. Yep. So it's like I always thought as the season went on, I never thought it was Kreider. And I, Kyle, I don't know if you noticed about me because we recently started following each other, but I am not a Chris Kreider guy. I, I have never That's an understatement. Been, <laughs> I, I have never been a Chris Ryder guy. I mean Disclaimer, understatement. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've they're, seen they're, you write about Chris Kreider. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things where I think they're with, just with the issues that we saw earlier in the year with D'Angelo and all that kind of stuff, if that was the guy, you don't see that stuff. Because that stuff gets handled in house and you know, it never gets leaked out and it's all taken care of. Like, if Brad Richards was still on the team, that stuff would have been done mm-hmm. over, you know, under the rug, whatever. So I never thought Kreider was the guy. And I thought since they didn't name Mika, I'm like, okay, they don't see Mika as the leader. He's a really good player, but not the guy. He's not the centerpiece, which I'm okay with because I've always been of the philosophy, and Chris can tell you this, I don't believe that the best player needs to be the captain. Wait. It's exactly what I said today, and I I can't. I mean, mo. I would say eighty percent of it was supportive likes or messages back about it, where they're like, hundred percent, read this. This is what it's all about." And then you get a lot of people saying, "You're an idiot." Fox still needs to be captain. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, I I am not as negative about Kreider as you are. I've I I I, 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 I have talked about him is there a a player ever been on the rangers that is more hated or loved than him bobby holik was pretty hated no he no was, i'm saying no hated or loved there's no either or there's no like no in between there's no like oh yeah writer is another guy on the team oh. it's either you are a chris Kreider supporter yeah, I was gonna say or you want chris Kreider shot to the moon yeah Dan there's Girardi. no uh, no one else can ignite a fan base like Chris yeah. Kreider. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think, think Dan Girardi, like Nick said, I think Dan Girardi. I, I think Dan guy. Girardi. Dan, yeah. Dan Girardi was pretty divisive. I think towards the end, everyone turned on him, though, unfortunately. But, yeah, I think 
like, probably back to Girardi or, and, and and unfortunately Stahl was probably in the same. Yep. There was a lot of people at the thing, you know, towards the end that yep. still supported him, but yeah. you know, a lot of people soured on him. What do you think about I, Girardi coming back as a coach? I don't like it. You don't like it. I don't. I don't. And I was a Danny. They G did guy. play. Hey, Buffalo uh, did get they played better with, with Girardi behind the bench. Don't listen to this week's episode. Then I said it. I like it. <laughs> like I, I, I just listen. I think uh, I love. I love Dan Girardi as a Ranger. I did. He wasn't a great Ranger, but just everything about it. You know his toughness and you know his story was a lot to do with it. That you know determination and all that stuff. Like yes, he was not the best defenseman. He wasn't. And it's just one of those things where, yeah, no, I just don't, don't come back. Like, because you were so polarizing and you were so, in a sense, divisive and it wasn't your fault, but like, yeah, man, don't, whatever goodwill is still there, you get hated once you become a coach. You just, it's the innate. Well, unless you deliver a cup. Yeah, I mean, when, yeah, that's not true. I still hate Mike Keenan because he walked out. Yeah, but that's a different. That's different, though. That's still, different. That's a different situation. Do you do you hate Jeff Bukaboom? No, I love him. Well, he I came back as a coach and he didn't win anything. Yeah, that's that's true. Listen, I think Gerard the Girardi the Girardi story is is unique because yeah. I think he just burned out. I think he just got used and abused and was that warrior that. Was it his fault that he got the contract extension that he got? No. Same thing with Stahl. And they just – they gave everything. They gave it all. But I think the mindset and the defensive knowledge that Dan Girardi has, I can't see how that's a negative. Yeah, like I Especially said – all the young guys. Yeah, what I said, I'm like, you can learn from a worse guy than Dan Girardi. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, think, he, I think he would be great with Lindgren because I, I constantly say with Lindgren, he's Dan Girardi if Girardi could skate. <laughs> Lingren bleeds more. Girardi had probably yeah. had more bruises. <laughs> yeah. Girardi had the great jawline. Can't mess with the jawline. I always joke around with with Zach Jones. I'm like, does anyone else notice that he bleeds every game on the bench? And he's like, yeah, dude's a warrior. Dude, <laughs> like they, every game that dude's bleeding. Every game. Every honestly, game. the Rangers need to invest in a good boxing cut man. Just just for him, they need he needs his own personal cut man. Because it's just one of those things where if we're five minutes into a game and he's not bloody yet, there's something wrong. It's like, what's going on here? Where's where the, the lingering blood countdown? But, you know, an interesting point you brought up about Fox, where people are saying, oh, Adam Fox is the best player on the team. And it, it kind of goes back to, do you get? Do you want to go with him as the captain? Look at what, you know, Ryan McDonough. They, they kind of forced the captaincy on Ryan McDonough as the best defenseman on the team. And Ryan wasn't a bad captain. But he I'll didn't. Give you he, a didn't better one. he didn't necessarily replace Callahan, Brian Leach. Yeah. Or, or yeah, Leach. or you know Brian Leach. You know another thing. He didn't replace Mark Messier. I mean, those were kind of two impossible I mean, tasks. Tough shoes to fill. Right. But it just I, I, Leach never seemed comfortable carrying that letter. And neither did McDonough really. I, yeah, I don't think Mac ever truly settled into it. I think it is, and you talk to guys. It's a burden, like. Theo Fleury, for instance, gave the captaincy back up after two years because yep. he said it was too much of a burden for me. It, it actually it hurt his game. Knowing that he, have to, he had to go face the media, win or lose, he could score three goals. They lose 5-3. He's facing the media afterwards and telling them why the goalie sucked. You know, And he's like, I didn't, I, I didn't want to throw my teammates on the bus. I was tired of it. And he gave it up. 
and he knew he was leaving a free agency. So like there's more reason to it the next year, but he was just tired of it. And I think that's something guys deal with. I think there's been, you know, I've read articles like Ryan McDonough's game clearly went down after he was named captain. Is it, you know, is that something that was weighing on him? I don't know. Like, you know, Brian Leach's stats were still where they were. He just looked weird with the captaincy because he had the A forever. And um, again, a lot of people that I've talked to from those teams have said the, the locker room leader was actually Adam Graves. It wasn't Brian Leach, but Leach had the C. Right, right. And he, you know, Graves was the locker room guy that everyone kind of went to. But Leach was the Hall of Famer. You know, that's, he's the, He's the guy who he was the face of the franchise then. Um, but I, I mean, Ryan Callahan, I think is the guy, I think he's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Callahan was a great player. Was he a star? No. Was he a leader? Yes. And that's the kind of guy, you, it doesn't matter. Adam Fox going the Norris this year. If he's not in the locker room and, and, and I'm sure the guys respect, I'm not saying that. I'm sure he's got a ton of respect on the team. I'm sure he's got leadership qualities. But if he's a guy, you need a guy in the locker room when shit hits the fan, like they're going to grab that. And if he doesn't have a personality for that, then maybe it's not his time to be there. If a guy like Ryan Strom is the guy that, you know, I, again, I think Ryan Strom is another name to watch out for if he doesn't get uh, treated. I think it was a large statement of him to fight someone in that Capitals game. He did not have to do yeah. that. And talk to Anthony Potato about it. And Potato is another guy who kind of stepped up and fought that game. But Ryan Strom, Potato is a guy he was trying to stay in the lineup, but he knew he had to fight because that's what he was kind of, you know, putting the lineup to do. Ryan Strom is not that guy. You know, he's not, he's, I mean, he's dropped the gloves before, but he's not a guy who needed to fight that game. And you know what happened the next game? He wore an A in Boston the next day. And I think that kind of spoke to me when I saw that. He is a leader on that team and he's a great a locker room guy. Everyone says he's the funniest guy on the team. He loosens that team up. So maybe he is a guy that maybe is being referenced. Maybe they work on a deal for him. And the problem is that they're not ready to name him a captain or name him whatever because he's on a one-year deal. Maybe that's something in the works. But I, I just think if he's the guy that guys are going to go to in an issue, you know, Mark Messier was a guy that people went to in an issue. You know, Mark Messier controlled the media. In the locker room, he wasn't the rah-rah guy. Kevin Lowe was the rah-rah guy in that 94 team. But Mark Messier was the guy who handled Keenan. He handled, you know, Neil Smith's issues. He handled whatever was coming at the media. He was kind of, he put himself in front of the team and blocked that. And I think that's what makes a good captain. It's not a guy who maybe, you know, goes out there and scores. Like, McDavid's a quiet guy in the locker room, but he answers the bell to the media. So it's, it's a lot of things. And again, like I said, you don't have to wear an A or a C or be a star to be a leader. Brendan Smith didn't wear anything this year. He was the guy in the locker room that everyone went to. He was the guy who answered the bell at Wilson. It's just certain guys, but you need guys on the team that are going to do that. You need guys with experience. You can't have a team of 23-year-old kids running around with no experience. And yeah. that's the thing. I've said for years, when, and especially this year, when everybody, we got to name a captain, we got to name a captain. I'm like, no, you don't. If they're not there, you don't name don't do one it. just because you want to name one. It, mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is, and, I'm, and maybe it's just, you know, from playing sports, playing hockey, and just being in the locker room, whatever, it's like, everybody's a leader in their own way in the room. You just have to figure out what your strength is and what you're good at at leading to help the team move forward. Because pretty much when you're on the team, it's 23 leaders. But you have to, you all have to pull, you have to have that same mindset of pulling in one direction. 
But then when things do get tough, like, you know, with Messier, who's the ultimate leader, when things got tough and you had to handle the media, he's the guy that steps up to handle the media mm. because he's the best at handling that situation. He, you know, he's been there, he's done that and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I don't, you know, I, I could, I could very easily see Truba being named captain before the start of the season. It, it yeah. wouldn't shock me, but I could also see in about three, four years, Alexi Lafreniere being named the captain moving forward because he did some stuff this year as a rookie that you don't really see rookies do. Like when Keandre scored his first goal, first guy to really celebrate with him was laugh. Like he, he just, Certain moments as the season went on, he just looked like he grew up a lot more. And I was like, okay, there's certain qualities there that you see that like, okay, this kid's going to be a big part of the room. Not just because he's a great, he's going to be a great player, but like you can see when, when guys have those intangible qualities, you can see it on the ice. I think like when you look at the St. Louis Blues, nobody can tell me that they didn't miss Alex Petrangelo going to Vegas. Oh yeah. Like, he was the guy. He was the heart and soul of the Blues. You can't tell me that him leaving didn't impact that room in a major way. And that's not a shot at Ryan O'Reilly because I think Ryan O'Reilly is a is a great hockey player and a, a really good leader. But when you take a guy who meant so much to one franchise out and you don't really replace that, that messes with the mojo a little bit. And I – and I think exactly what you're saying happened to the Rangers this year because I think the guy in the first two years for Quinn who answered the bell and was the leader was Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. Just didn't wear a C as a goalie. Yep. But Lundqvist not being there this year and all the issues they had is the first time you saw uh, kind of into that dysfunction of what was going on behind the scenes. Yep. And that think about that. Everything from the last two years on, nothing really came out. Who was the guy who came out in the media was Lundqvist always. I mean, he's the goalie, so, I mean, obviously he's going to be answering questions anyway. But, I mean, a lot of – you know, he faced a lot of scrutiny in the bubble too about, you know, giving up that last game to Igor and everything, and he took that right in stride. That could have been a whole big issue. And I think that was a huge – exactly what you said about St. Louis, I think is what happened in New York this year. Yeah, I think Lundquist was that leader uh, in the locker room that just – that they did not replace. I've said for years, and, and the – I had always thought it, but where it really got cemented was game six against Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2015 when Pierre Maguire asked Rick Nash, and I'll never forget this, he goes, why is your team so good in these do-or-die games? And the first thing out of Nash's mouth was, we take our cue from the man in net. Mm -hmm. He's the leader. He sets the tone. And I was like, damn. Like, he literally just came out and said, that's the captain. That's the guy. Whenever anything gets bad, that's who we look to. He leads us. So, like, and I, you know, I had always thought, and, you know, the only guy to ever that I ever remember doing in my lifetime being named captain was Roberto Luongo for that one year in Vancouver. Yeah. Even though he, he couldn't wear this. He wore the scene his, on his mask. On his mask, <laughs> you know. And, and I was like, you know, if they could name a goalie captain, Hank would have been the captain. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. He, because it's just like that that was the thing he was always the rock he was he was the foundation and you know, very cool hand luke like everything ran through hank so and i think the other part of this year too a big locker room guy even though we hated his i hated his on ice play as he got older mark stall 
Oh, huge, yeah, big locker room guy. I think was a huge part of why things started to spiral out of control the way that it did. And he was I, such a professional, too, just in everything. I mean, he like, – like, you know, I mean, he was a leader in general, but, I mean, he's seen some stuff. You know, he's, he's done the runs. He's done everything. Yeah. So, I think even when in that last year when he was struggling, I think for those young kids coming up, I think he was a huge influence on a lot of those players. Oh, yeah. Well, I think even Detroit saw that because Detroit had a much better season than anybody prescribed, and I think that was a big piece of it. And for the Rangers, really, if you think about it, there's a lot of veterans and leaders that came out of that whole group. You know, they go with the rebuild, the Band-Aid gets ripped off, and this was part of the casualty of it. You just yeah. you end up having what you had at the beginning of the season. So it was, it was a pretty tough, tough go. But, hey, Gerard Gallat is here, New Horizons, everything. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how you don't go into next season excited to see what, what, what comes and what happens. I, I just don't, but I'm, you know. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm trying to get a draft guy on my show. I want to, I want to hear about these draft kids. You know, you just know. And I was joking around my buddy before. I'm like, you know, if I get someone on my show to talk about the draft, I get trade the pick. <laughs> like you just I, know it, you know, I, it. this should actually finish. be the year that they do that. I, I am saying that this is the year that they should trade the pick. I'm going to learn about some Finnish center and know all about them for this show. Talk about boom, them, and then training. they're going to dump the pick the day of. I know it. I know it. If we want to guarantee the Rangers trade the pick, get me a guy on the show for a draft. There you go. That's a guarantee. All right, so, Kyle, we really appreciate the time. Uh, it's been, a, been a, great, a great one. Broadway Hat Podcast. You guys can go check it out everywhere, pretty much everywhere and anywhere. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Broadway Hat Pod. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And that's all we got for 30 on Broadway this week. So uh, thanks so much.